It's as if we've wandered the desert. Travelers without a home. Together yet alone in this uncertainty. An uncommon time, unexpected, undefined, binds us, unites us, does not divide us, but reminds us of who we are. A body, not a building, unrelenting, unyielding, persevering, revealing the faithfulness of God. Maybe this virus has started a fire inside us, ignited us, inspired us to live louder, love harder, care deeper. Six feet, six miles, or a world apart. Our calling remains the same. For we are the body of Christ. Well, good morning, Grace Life family. We're so glad that we could serve you this way with this online service, and we're so glad that you're able to join us today in worship. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. We want to welcome you today. We hope that the Word of God comes and encourages you and strengthens you in your journey. We face many challenges and obstacles, but the Lord is with us. He's Emmanuel, and He's faithful. And so, we're delighted we get to worship him and sing his praises and hear from his word today. And so let me go ahead and open up our service with a time of prayer. Would you go ahead and join me? Father, thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege of coming into your presence as a son or daughter of God, able to lift up praises, able to lift up worship to our King. Lord, may you... Bless our time together. Let it be filled with just an amazing outpouring of your spirit. Let the word of God bring conviction and encouragement. And let our hearts be lifted up through this time of worship together. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The responsive reading from the book of Psalms today is out of Psalm 121, verses 5 to 8. Let's go ahead and read that together. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forevermore. Amen. Well, I want to invite us now to a time of prayer. Prayer is a powerful weapon. It's a powerful tool in the hands of God's people. And he calls us to be faithful in prayer. And so let's spend some time continuing to lift up our nation. Our nation needs a lot of prayer. We should pray for our leaders, national, state, local. We should pray for the spiritual condition of our nation, that people's hearts would be turned towards Christ and receive him for salvation. Let's lift up our church. Uh, We're meeting on campus for the first time in terms of our education services, Sunday school ministries today. And so it's a big day. If you could pray for uh, those that are gathering back on campus for safety and protection and for God's blessing upon them. 
And then lastly, pray for those in your sphere of influence, uh, people in your workplace, uh, people that you know in your family, people that need prayer and, and God's touch and encouragement. Go ahead and spend some time praying for them as well. So I want to give us a few moments to do that, and then I'll bring us back together to close our time. So let's go ahead and pray together. Would you join me as we lift up these things in prayer? Father, we continue to pray over our nation. We ask God for the hearts of the people of our nation to be turned towards God and and away from the things that would not satisfy our souls, but rather to turn to the living water, Jesus Christ. We pray for a spiritual renewal across our land, across the churches. We ask also, God, for your special blessing and grace upon our church, God, as we begin to gather back in our children's ministries, our youth and high school ministries, God. We ask, Lord, for your blessing and your your favor upon each department, every single leader and teacher and member of our church, God. We pray for protection. We pray for your leadership in this new season ahead. And Lord, we want to lift up those that are just in need of a special touch from you, God, whether they're struggling with a sickness or disease or just need uh, encouragement right now in their life. We ask that your spirit would speak life, speak truth, speak hope into their situation and lift them up and encourage them. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Good morning. We are nearing the end of our series in the Fruit of the Spirit, and today we're talking about the last fruit on the list, self-control. When most of us think about self-control, we typically think of it as sheer willpower to not do something you shouldn't do or you don't want to do, or to prevent yourself from doing something you might regret later, like when you're at a buffet, if you remember those, and you tell yourself, I shouldn't go back for my fourth plate. I, I really need to control myself. Or maybe you're binge-watching a whole season of 42 episodes of a Korean drama in one sitting. Raise your hand if you've done that. Right? I should be exercising some self-control right now. So is this what self-control means? Well, it is in one sense, but it isn't the biblical understanding of self-control that comes from the Holy Spirit. We tend to think of self-control as something along the lines of being self-reliant or self-soothing or self-esteem where it means we are reliant on ourself, or we, where we soothe ourself, or our esteem comes from ourself. So self-control means control comes from ourself, in, according to this definition, that it's something that we do to ourself. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is, is talking about something radically different than our understanding of self-control. If you remember, the fruit of the Spirit comes from abiding in Jesus. It does not come from ourself or our flesh. It comes from the Spirit of God. So therefore, watch this, self-control does not come from the self, but instead the self needs to be controlled. Self-control does not come from the self, but instead self, the self needs to be controlled. It's not about a control that comes from oneself, but it's about controlling oneself. In the Gospels, Jesus talks about the importance of denying oneself. Luke 9.23 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Jesus was pretty serious about controlling the self, which makes sense if this is the fruit of the Spirit. He was pretty serious about loving God and loving others. He was serious about us experiencing joy and peace and kindness. So he was also serious about self-control or denying yourself. 
And I know this because in Matthew 5, he says, If your right eye causes your left eye to sin, tear it out and throw it away. In Scripture, we see self-control as more of a denial of oneself more than a reliance on oneself. It's more of a denial of oneself more than a reliance on oneself. Like, I can beat temptation with my strong willpower. If, if we deny ourselves, then this means we need to depend on God, which is another way of saying we need to abide in God, and that's how the fruit of the Spirit works. The fact that self-control is listed as a fruit of the Spirit shows that if self-control could come from ourself, then it wouldn't be listed as a fruit of the Spirit. In my personal experience, and I'm sure yours too, the ability, uh, the ability to demonstrate self-control can only come from the power of the Holy Spirit touching and transforming and working in the deep places of our heart, mind, and soul. This is largely magnified when we are talking about addictive behavior. When we are addicted to something, it's like we've lost control of our ability to stop addiction. By definition, addiction is the lack of self-control over a substance or behavior. And this is where we need to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit to control ourselves. What I'm saying is that I need to, the, for the Holy Spirit to uh, help me be self-controlled. Because some of us, we have you know, great willpower, which can only go so far, but, but the Holy Spirit can go all the way for you. Another concept of biblical self-control is that it is more than just saying no to something. The difference between our understanding of self-control and the fruit of self-control is the source and who receives the credit. It's the source and who receives the credit. That's the difference. Just saying no doesn't always work. Back in, 19, back in the 1980s, drug use became an epidemic among young people and, and teen pregnancy rates were skyrocketing. A relatively new disease called AIDS was on the rise and gangs were, were turning many inner city neighborhoods into violent places. If you remember, someone came up with a simple solution to these risky behaviors. It was just say no. The thought was we could solve all of these problems if we could just teach young people to say no to drugs and sex and the violence that comes with it. The idea caught on and with some help from First Lady Nancy Reagan and the cooperation of the mass media, the Just Say No campaign took over school curriculums, TV advertisements, and celebrities began to endorse it. Police departments joined the effort and developed the D.A.R.E. program, the Drug Abuse Resistance Education. It's a simple strategy. Teach young people the dangers of these risky behaviors and then train them how to respond to temptation and peer pressure. So teens across the U.S. heard adults telling them things like, when you're at a party and someone tries to put a drink or a pill in your hands, just say no. Or when you're alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend and they're pressuring you to do something you don't want to do, just say no. When someone taunts you and you're tempted to strike back, just say no. That sounds great, doesn't it? Except there's only one problem. It didn't work. Surveys and studies revealed again and again that educational programs like this not only fail to reduce risky behaviors, but in some cases they actually increase them. In 2001, the U.S. Surgeon General officially placed the D.A.R.E. program in the does not work category. The reason it doesn't work is that it doesn't go deep enough. Saying no isn't something we do with our minds or say with our mouths. It's something we do with our hearts. Saying no requires something deep inside us that most teenagers don't have, and that's self-control. 
And of course, teens are not the only ones with this problem, right? Us adults, we struggle uh, with it also. We all have a hard time just saying no. I mean, have you ever lost control of yourself and yelled at your kids in public and been embarrassed or frustrated by your behavior? Have you ever eaten too much or spent too much or said too much or complained too much or maybe even preached too much? Of course, we all have. And in regards to biblical self-control, John Jorgensen says, We distinguish where the source of our power comes from. So is your control a result of buckling down or gutting it out in your own power? Or are you relying on the power of Christ that dwells within you to fight your battles? Scripture tells us that we live not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And when we're talking about credit, we're talking about who gets the glory. Do you celebrate yourself because you did it through your own accomplishments or your own ability, your own strength, power, grit, determination? Or do you give God the glory for giving you the fruit of the Spirit to help you overcome whatever temptation you are facing? Once again, self-control does not come from the self, but rather it is a fruit that comes from surrendering to the Holy Spirit God has gifted in you. Matthew 26, 38, uh, and this is when Jesus was in the Garden of Olives. And he said, he told them, the disciples, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet not what I want, but your will be done, not mine. And then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Ultimately, self-control is the submission of our desires and passions. You see, Jesus here tempted to not go to the cross, but he demonstrated self-control by submitting to the will of the Father. And if we belong to Christ, we crucify our fleshly desires and we surrender our passions to the will of God. And to be self-controlled is to not be controlled by our sinful desires and passions and appetites and ego, but rather it is our ability to direct or conduct them. Lewis Smead said that he uh, that the Holy Spirit is like a conductor of a symphony orchestra. Under the conductor's baton, the multitude of talented musicians play the right notes at the right time, at the right volume, so that everything sounds just right. And so the Holy Spirit is our conductor. And what is interesting is that the disciples struggled with self-control and they gave in to temptation. And so the remedy for that is prayer. Notice how Jesus said to keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation so you can be self-controlled. And Jesus reemphasizes again that the spirit is willing but the body is weak. That self-control doesn't come from our willpower or determination but by the spirit of God. Jesus shows us other examples of self-control. Think of how he responded when he was betrayed by Judas. Jesus poured his life into Judas for three years and then Judas sold him out. What did Jesus do? He didn't rage at Judas or berate him in front of everyone else. He didn't excommunicate him on the spot. There there was no retaliation, no revenge-seeking, no outbursts. And prior to the crucifixion, Jesus was repeatedly beaten and humiliated and ridiculed. Yet in spite of all this, as a sheep before slaughter is silent, He didn't even open his mouth, and he didn't let his impulses run away. He didn't curse his captors. He actually prayed for them. 
He exercised the kind of self-control that made onlookers say, who is this guy? You know, I wondered why Paul concludes this list in Galatians 5 with self-control, just as why he would start this list with love. And we talked about that. You can go back and listen to the message in this series on love to find out why, why Paul starts with love. But perhaps it's because if we're able to surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit and demonstrate self-control, that it creates room for all of the other fruit to take place in our lives. If we demonstrate self-control, we remove the sin that easily entangles us and therefore be fully open to God's Spirit to move in us and to grow us in the other fruit of the Spirit. It's like a gateway drug, or in this case, a gateway fruit. Gateway drugs are substances that are thought to open the way to using more dangerous or harder drugs, such as heroin or cocaine. And so this fruit of self-control opens the way to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. If I want to love others, I need self-control. If I want to experience joy, I need self-control. If I want to experience true peace, I need self-control. If I want to be kind to others, I need self-control. If I want to be gentle to others, I need self-control. And if I want to be faithful to my spouse, I need self-control. You see how this works? A good test to see if you're surrendering to the Spirit of God is, do you react or do you respond? For example, when someone cuts you off on the freeway, do you react or do you respond? When someone gives you bad service at a restaurant, do you react or do you respond? And when your child is complaining and whining all morning, do you react or do you respond? Our flesh reacts, but God's Spirit responds. Do I react like Eugene or do I respond like Christ? Someone once said that self-control is really about paying attention. It's a disciplined attentiveness to what God has done and is doing. It's the ability to see without distortion or illusion what's really going on and the wisdom to act in light of it. Self-control takes great self-awareness to see what is really going on and the wisdom to act properly in light of it. So self-control actually means losing control to yourself. Self-control actually means losing control to yourself. In order to have self-control, you need to give up control of yourself. You surrender yourself to the Spirit of God. The response is, God, I put my trust in you. Everything is out of control. My situation, my circumstances, my finances, my health. Everything is out of control, but I trust that you are in control. Self-control is believing and trusting that God is in control. Can a brother get an amen? The way we beat temptation and exercise self-control is believing that the promise of God is greater than the promise of sin. We give in to temptation and lose self-control because we believe that the sin that we engage in is better than the eternal promise that God has for us. Sin tells us that this sin will make you feel better, it'll vindicate you, it'll empower you, and we believe it when in contrast... God promises rewards in heaven and experiencing His presence and living in God's will and experiencing life to the fullest. And so sin tempts us by promising that engagement in the sin will make us feel good or life will be easier or you'll be happier. And sin tempts us by promising no one will find out. 
But if we believe in the promises of these temptations, then we have no chance, no chance of being self-controlled. But if we believe in the promises of God, then self-control can take root in us and we can execute it. Here's the thing. We must have a strong desire to obey God. If we don't, we are not going to overcome the inner battle with sin or live a godly lifestyle. We must have a strong desire to obey God. Otherwise, it's not going to work. When we're tempted to yield to sin, we should ask ourselves the following questions. Number one, how will this affect me spiritually? How will this affect my integrity? How will this affect my health? How is it going to affect how others see me? And is this better than having God's best for my life? Oh, and by the way, self-control is not an option for Christians. The fruit of the Spirit is not a list of options on a menu for you to pick and choose what you like. You can't be like a picky eater when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I don't like patience or, or self-control. I, I only like joy. And uh, I, I only eat joy. I don't, I don't like self-control. Um, you, you just can't do that. It's all one package. So before I finish, I do want to point out again that there's a major difference between our understanding of self-control versus the biblical understanding. Usually we demonstrate a shallow version of self-control. For example, we'll eat only one Oreo cookie versus five. Or we won't eat carbs for 40 days and demonstrate strong self-control. But why are you doing that? What's your motivation? Is it because we don't want to gain weight for the summer so that we can look good in a swimsuit to be able to post on Instagram? That is not a spirit-led biblical self-control. That is fueled by pride and narcissism, arrogance and boastfulness. Do you you see the difference? That kind of self-control is not fueled by the Holy Spirit. You might demonstrate self-control in saving money. right? But why are you self-controlled in that way? Is it because you're self-controlled with your money so that you can indulge yourself by buying a nicer car or fancy clothes or more toys so that people will think more highly of you? I mean, you're not saving money to be generous to others. That kind of self-control is not fueled by the Holy Spirit. Being self-controlled with money that is fueled by the Holy Spirit is so that you could be generous with others. Do Do you see the difference? So yes, we can exercise a version of self-control, but it may not be the result of the fruit of the Spirit. Does does that make sense? Biblical self-control is not bending our will to suit our desires, but it is bending our will to suit the desires God has for us. Come on, somebody. So how can we tell if our self-control is fueled by the Holy Spirit? Well, is it accompanied by the other fruit of the Spirit? Is my self-control fueled by pride, arrogance, deceit, shame, guilt, or fear that maybe someone will be mad at me? Or is my self-control fueled by love for my neighbor? Does it produce patience? Does it produce kindness? Does it demonstrate faithfulness? And so may we be a people who demonstrate self-control and experience freedom from our selfish prison so that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness may fill our world to the people around us as we intimately abide in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity um, 
to yield to your spirit so that we could demonstrate self-control. Father, we just ask that you would just um, help us and, and, and guide us and show us the way. And Lord, we need you to exercise self-control. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Gene, for that encouraging word, that hopeful word for us as we continue to journey this uh, journey of faith together in community. Well, I'd like to go through a few uh, announcements briefly with you before we conclude our service together. Uh, The first is, if you're a guest, uh, we are so glad that you were able to join us today and experience our online worship. We hope that you were encouraged. We hope that you learned something new today, and it was a positive and hopeful experience for you. Uh, If you would like to get some updates from Grace Life, we would love to serve you. Just simply text NEW. Uh, to the number that's on your screen, the 818 number. And uh, we'd love to serve you by getting you important updates about things that are happening here at Grace Life. Also, you can text PRAY to the same number. And if you have a prayer request, uh, we have an intercessory team that would love to be able to pray for you and lift up your situation to the Lord and see God begin to move on your behalf. You can also find a link during the week on our website for prayer requests as well. And then on Saturday mornings, We meet uh, for our 714 prayer meetings over Zoom, so you can simply log on uh, from home and uh, join a community of people that just want to seek God together and pray together and experience uh, His Word, uh, transform our hearts together. It's a great time. Um, You don't need to sign up. Just just join us this coming Saturday. Uh, We'd love to see you, and um, we are a welcoming prayer community. And so we'd love to see you at 714. Also, um, if you haven't heard... Uh, Grace Life is now open for in-person services. In fact, today is a big day that our entire church campus has opened up in terms of our uh, Sunday school ministries and our children's ministries. And so we would love for you to join us uh, when you're comfortable. Uh, We're going to continue to serve you with these online services as well so that you can worship with us uh, at home or wherever you're at, that you can tune in and receive God's word. And so we want to keep encouraging you this way. But yeah, we're back uh, meeting in person and it's uh, just really exciting. So please keep that in prayer. And uh, let me go ahead and pass it back now to Pastor Eugene for our closing benediction.